I think a lot of online business owners, especially or small business owners, they wonder why they can't scale. And when we look at big business owners who are not just looking at one sale, but they're looking at that brand, they're looking at the community, they're thinking about the long term. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Shanna Lynn, the founder of Community Cultivated, who has helped over 1,000 online communities and has over a decade of experience in community marketing, which is very unique because, uh, believe it or not, there's not that many uh, community marketing experts out there. So I'm very happy to have you. And I figured today we kind of discuss the significant significance of uh, community uh, kind of in the past or the past few years, kind of how it developed, and then also why it matters even more today. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I think, uh, like I said, we really have community experts on here. And it's not because it, it doesn't matter, but there's so few of you out there. Uh, so let's just start with that. Why, why don't we have more community experts uh, in the field? Well, in my opinion, it comes down to the fact that a lot of people view community I would say in a small way. So a lot of people look at community and they go, oh, community is a Facebook group. So you can get Facebook group experts, if you will, people that can tell you how to effectively manage and moderate a Facebook group. But that's not a community. That's just the platform in which your community is functioning and thriving. And so it's really rare to find people who think about community from a larger perspective of just the people that you serve and all of the different ways that we interact with them. Like what what is the culture of that community? What are we moving towards? And I don't think um, it's been in the online space. I don't think it's really been done very effectively, very often. So I pull a lot from traditional businesses and even movements of old. That's really what I study to learn how to apply those principles to online businesses. Uh, that, that makes so much sense because I think from a, a typical business owner perspective, they usually think community is customer service. Like, right. oh yeah, we have to reply to comments because those pesky customers and potential customers might ask some dumb questions and we want to make sure we cover that. Whereas it, the more I've kind of looked into it, the more I'm like, no, this is literally your culture. And if you can't reflect what you're trying to sell on your culture, you're doing a horrible job at uh, reinforcing what you're trying to sell. So how do you have that argument with business owners who think it is more of a, you know, customer care rather than a core component of marketing? We just start talking about where, where the true value of community lies. And it's really in that deep connection that you create the connection to the brand, the connection to the business owner, the connection to each other. And I'm a big fan of human psychology. And so when we go and look at human psychology, people want that feeling of belonging. They want the feeling of contribution. And so often with community elements that uh, people call community elements, it really is either talking at businesses, right? They say, oh, my Instagram is a community or my email list is a community, but all they're doing is talking at somebody. Or it is that customer support function that should be taking place somewhere else, right? In your Zendesk or whatever tool that you're using but they're using it as glorified customer support. But when we look at movements that have had a big impact in the world, they were all really strong communities. They had lots of community elements, like a common cause and a common culture. And so those are the things that I really try to teach is that it's something that should integrate into your entire brand. And when you do it well, it's going to get you more conversions. It's going to help your customers stay longer, which is really where I focus is really 
leveraging community to keep your customers longer. And it's also going to create amazing affiliates and referral partners. Uh, that makes tons of sense. So it's it's not just that it uh, kind of re- it reinforces the community, the culture, all those things, but it actually provides kind of an operational uh, significance as well as everything else. And, you know, I've been saying this a ton, which is lifetime customer value is going to be a core metric moving forward because things are going to get really expensive in terms of acquiring new customers. So if you don't have this component down, you're probably not going to succeed, or you're going to continue to spend more and more money to make less and less gains on your business. You are speaking my love language. (laughs) (laughs) The lifetime value of a customer is so important. And I now tell you, most business owners don't even know what it is or how to calculate it. I, I did a podcast episode recently where I literally just walked through the formula of it because I, I would talk about it and the importance of that and how the longer you keep your customers, the more you make per customer and the more you can spend to acquire a customer and I just realized that it wasn't connecting for a lot of business owners. And so knowing how to calculate that is an essential skill. And community is a big part of that, especially, you know, everybody talks about like post pandemic, but it's true. I think the isolation that happened during the pandemic helped people realize their need for community. And where do they go to find that? The only place they could, they started going online. And that's why I think community is a really hot topic now and even more hot topic because AI, you know, human to human connections, the one thing we're never going to be able to replace. So true. Well, and you know, what's funny is because I've been kind of doing a history of the internet because I'm, I'm trying to project like, hey, here's what's going to happen next. And what I've, what I've been thinking of is the original kind of foundation of the internet, because, you know, we remember when the internet was made, <laughs> you know, we yes. had AOL, and we oh, yeah. had the chat function, and we had forums, and the actual, you know, community was was actually the foundation of the internet. Like that's where we all started. But at one point, we just said we don't need to do that anymore. So, do you think that we're kind of reverting back to that kind of like origin of the internet, where we're starting to go more into the community forum aspect than we used to be? A hundred percent. And I love that you're looking backwards to see where we're going to go when we move forwards, because life is cyclical and online business and everything else is cyclical as well. And I remember being a kid and waiting for dial up and sitting in my little dining room, right, hoping nobody would answer the phone so that I could chat. I mean, I can't even tell you how many chat windows I had up on AOL Instant Messenger and all of the forums and the conversations we were having. And then came the content season, right, of the internet. And now it's like, You get online to learn, to watch videos, to download PDFs. And then I think people really are starting to feel the overwhelm of that. People have bought the courses, they've joined the memberships, and they've realized that they're actually not making any progress. They bought the course, they never finished. They joined the membership. Maybe they engage a little bit, but they don't stick around for long because they're feeling that sense of overwhelm. And so we're trying to figure out as business owners, especially if you have an online business and Um, an information business, especially, how do I actually get my people results? Like, I don't want to just sell them something for them to buy and to learn more, but we want to learn and we want to do, we want to take action. We want progress because results is one of the three keys of retention and community can be a big part of that. So I, I, I think people look at community and they go, engagement is the goal. And I teach over and over again, engagement is not the goal. Progress is the goal. A community for community's sake is like your neighborhood, right? That, whatever. Sure, that's fine. Um, but true community where we're actually moving together towards a common cause and we're strengthening our bond 
happens when we are making progress because we, as humans, we want connection, but we also want to feel like we're getting better. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like I want esteem. I want self-actualization, which means that I need to be moving forward, making progress as a human. And so you've got to think about your community engine as a way, not just to create connection for connection's sake, but to actually help people make progress with whatever it is that you're doing inside of your business. Well, and the awesome part of that is that when you help other people make progress, you make progress too, especially as a a business owner creating products or services. Now you are instantly getting feedback rather than kind of developing in a vacuum, which is, I think, what a lot of businesses do. And as they get more successful, it actually kind of reinforces that. And so you have the biggest businesses that come out with the crummiest product because they're like, well, I'm super successful. So obviously I know what you want you could shut your mouth because I am going to tell you what you want. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. So speaking at an event on Saturday, and I mentioned this person. So uh, she has an Instagram account. It's named um, Blogilates. So she was a Pilates influencer on Instagram. And this, speaking of the future of marketing, I believe that the future is community first and then product and business from that community. We're starting to see it. So Blogilates, she has 2 million followers on Instagram. So what did she do? She noticed that people who are fitness women didn't like the clothes. They didn't like the sports bras. They didn't like the leggings, right? There were all of these issues with them. So she started asking questions. What do you not like about this? What would you want? What would your dream tennis skirt look like? And then she just started creating it. So she has now created her own fitness brand, which is extremely, extremely successful. And she constantly is getting feedback. She literally goes on and shows the sketches of the sports bra she wants to create. She's like, what do you think about this? And she has um, a community of people that she has recruited that are not even influencers. They don't have big followings, but she has you apply and she wants women with different shapes and sizes who can test her newer products to make sure that they fit all body sizes. And then they become the people who spread the word and promote. So she's literally creating based on community feedback. And then she's leveraging that community to spread the word about the products. And that is the future of what we're going to see in business. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's user first rather than product first or brand first. It's just the user and you could talk to them. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of forgot about the internet was that one of the main advantages is this direct connection with every single one of your customers as often as you want it. And instead of kind of using that for feedback, most businesses just use it for more self-promotion and more opportunities for them to sell you some more stuff. And it's a massive mistake. And that's and I think what's led to is really just people brand hopping all the time where it's like, ah, it doesn't really matter where it comes from because I could always get the same thing over here or over here or over here. And it just destroys, again, your lifetime customer value and leads to less good, less development for your product, less development for your community and increased cost for acquisition. So in that regard, because I'm always kind of assessing different marketing methods and the costs and the kind of benefit of each one. I think that paid media really came, you know, became the top because the ROI was so easy to calculate where you said, Hey, you know, uh, it cost me this much for the ads. I made this much money off of those ads. The product costs this much. Here's my ROI. It's hard to do that. You know, I'm, I'm from content. So I always said like, okay, 
this is going to take some time <laughs> and I can't directly connect anything. So have you come up with a formula for calculating that ROI or at least showing the benefit in some kind of analytical sense that say a paid media you know, advocate might understand? It really just depends on how you're leveraging community. There's a few different ways to leverage it. And you're speaking my language around like not being able to calculate things. I come from traditional marketing where it's like you used to spend $2,000 for a billboard on the side of the road and you literally could not calculate any of it. And that's what I try to remind online marketers of direct mar- or direct marketers, especially because you're so used to being able to calculate that cost per acquisition, that ROI right away. That has not been the case for hundreds of years in marketing. We've never been able to do that before, right? You have invested in your brand and community is your brand now. So investing in that brand reputation, this is what we see big businesses doing. I think a lot of online business owners, especially or small business owners, they wonder why they can't scale. And when we look at big business owners who are not just looking at one sale, but they're looking at that brand, they're looking at the community, they're thinking about the long term. Now we can actually think about the ROI of a community. Let's say you have a free Facebook group or you're really leveraging your email list even as a community because you're having a lot of back and forth conversation. Maybe you're even doing you know, discussions on Zoom with your community for free. There's so many different things that you can do that's really cool. And then you can calculate that in your ROI. So we have, we've done launches where we leverage um, free communities during the launch to help support in the launch. And then we can calculate the conversion rate of the number of people that participated in that particular Facebook group that converted into the launch. We're able to see that we get a much higher conversion if somebody joins the community. We've run stats. I have clients that have 15,000 members and we've run stats to actually see based on those that cancel and those that stay, what are the core elements that actually keep them based on their participation in the program? And the main core elements are community elements. It's participation in the community platform. It's showing up for accountability groups and it's the one-on-one or small group calls that we offer for people. So we're able to look at that from a retention perspective and a conversions perspective, but I, I hesitate to say, yes, you can track the ROI because I really want marketers to expand and go, look, this is a nurture opportunity. So you're going to get so many sales, whatever it is, one, 1%, 3% from your Facebook ads, depending on how good you are, you're going to get some sales from that. But what do you do with all of those leads that aren't converting right away? It's not that they're not the right customer. It may just be that they need to trust you more. They need to be a little bit further along. And if you're not willing to be the one to nurture them and to create that connection, somebody else will. So we need to think about not just how do I put them on an email list so that I can tell them about my thing every week, right? But how can I bring them into community? How can I bring them along and get to know them? Which is why I do things like when somebody joins my email list, I like to send a little video message just saying hello and you know introducing myself. I like to try and do live calls and Zooms and bring people on for discussions around conversations like AI. So even though I don't have a free Facebook group myself, I'm leveraging other ways to create those community elements to nurture people so that when they're ready to buy, they're going to be more nurtured, much warmer, a much hotter lead. And I'm thinking about the long term. I love that. Hey, everyone. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals, 
everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategy certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. Well, and, and to your point about, you know, not everybody's ready to buy right now. And I think statistically, it's like three to 5% of your audience who will buy your product are ready to buy this instant. And so, you know, from the content marketing perspective, which is what I usually come from, I'm like, yeah, that's why you need to make useful content and entertaining content and keep them on the hook and entertained and engaged until they're ready to buy. But I think the community aspect actually makes that much more direct and yeah. immediate and beneficial, really, because yeah, I'm giving you good content, but if I'm not listening to you at the same time, then how can my content be that great either? So I think yeah. the community function actually serves both. And community and content work hand in hand together. And I think, you know, for example, um, I brought in an AI expert, my friend Jackie, she works with like the United Nations and the G20 conference on AI and deep tech. And I wanted to have her on the podcast. And I'm like, you know what? I know a lot of my community members would love to meet her, have a conversation, ask her their burning questions about AI. So instead of just doing a podcast interview, we actually did it as a Zoom discussion. We did a Q&A, and then we put that on the podcast as our content. So I think the two of them can really work together really well. And we think about that, especially inside of like membership programs and courses and group coaching programs. We're always thinking about how the community can be leveraged to get people to consume and implement the content. That's always what we're thinking about is how can we support them in consuming and implementing the content? And then how can we identify the gaps in our content that we can fill because our community is telling us where they're getting stuck? Oh, that's fantastic. Now for, you know, big business, because you mentioned that, you know, some big businesses have actually started to figure it out. And I think the one I did a case study a couple of years back on Peloton, because what yeah. I found was if I analyzed or I analyzed their social media presence, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're constantly doing user generated content. They're constantly promoting the instructors that are creating their programs that people buy. And they always engage people online with every single comment. So that's my example. Do you have other examples of kind of big business execution of the community function? Yeah, um, I, it's kind of interesting. But if you look at Target, so okay. Target has become really polarizing. Now, how is a place where you go buy groceries and T-shirts polarizing, right? What world are we living in? Well, they're trying to build a community brand. That's what they're trying to do. So they've said, okay, we're not just a grocery store or a, a shopping place, a retail shop. We have a common cause that we are working towards. We have a culture. We are a certain kind of people. Like Seth Godin says, people like us do things like this. People who shop at Target do things like this. And they've been moving towards this for a while. I know they're a hot topic right now in some circles. This is nothing new. So they, in Instagram, they have different hashtags that they leverage where they're actually leveraging user-generated content from their customers to use on their social platforms, right? So that's what they've been doing for a long time. They've been creating and leveraging these target blogging phenomenon that have now become Instagram people that it's like, they know, they know that their community, whoever it is, it's the stay at home mom who's going and buying all the things she shouldn't be buying, right? We know the memes, if you will, of target shoppers. And that's what you're looking for in this 
in the branding around your community is what do people like us do? What do people like us care about, right? And it doesn't have to be some big political movement. It doesn't have to be anything really controversial, but even as simple as saying people like us believe that the value is in the community more than it is in the creator of the community. So we show up to serve first and we want to contribute because we believe we're better together. Now, if we have that value as a community, it changes how we show up for each other, right? So those little core values, values around um, not gossiping, or I have a lot of uh, coaching clients who have memberships and they have values around, we don't show up just to complain because we're taking control of our life. We can have situations, but we always come with solutions. So you better believe when somebody posts in that Facebook group and says, oh, woe is me, I have all this stuff going on. If they don't propose one or two solutions that they can discuss with the community, somebody's gonna come in and say, how do you think you can handle this? So they're creating a culture. And I think we're seeing it with Target. We're seeing it with all sorts of brands right now. And we just need to pay attention to that and start asking ourselves, like, what are the core values, my community? What are the beliefs, the behaviors and the boundaries that I want to create? How can I start listening to my community more instead of just talking at them all the time? And how can I make sure that I'm a strong leader creating a culture of safety so that connection can actually happen? Oh, I love that. That's a that's a fantastic example, you know, for Target because it's it's kind of funny because of all the retailers out there, like Target is still relevant. They still seem hip. They still seem new, but really, from a branding perspective and what they sell, they're no different than Kmart, which yeah. I don't know if everybody remembers which Kmart, like, but that used to be yeah. a big brand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but but if you look at a company like Walmart, where you're like. Ah, you know, you go into Walmart, it kind of feels stagnant. The community feels kind of whatever. Like it, it doesn't feel like a hip brand, but Target still maintains it. And, and like you said, it, it seems like it's completely surrounded by the uh, community function that they have. And I also love what you said about the the meme. You know, there are, yeah. there's memes about Target shoppers. And if your company doesn't have a meme that could be associated with them or you know, nobody could, I don't think it's hating on somebody, but it's kind of like uh, highlighting an aspect of of the target market. It's like, man, that's an incredible like kind of uh, tool to judge whether their culture is influential enough is if there's memes about it. So yeah, all of that's fantastic. And Chick-fil-A is the same way, right? Like you can go the other end of the spectrum. It's like Chick-fil-A has the same thing. And the thing that I want people to pay attention to is that, yes, it's a community, but it really is customer experience, which is the broader topic we're really thinking about here. And if you look at Chick-fil-A, they intentionally created a family atmosphere. They do events all the time. They're always thinking about how can we make this a gathering place for people, not just a place where you go in and get your food. Like, yes, we want to have the best drive-through in the world, right? But they're always thinking about the customer experience. Target is the same way, right? They didn't put a Starbucks in there just to make money off of Starbucks. They put it in there because they wanted you to have an experience shopping in their store. Right. This isn't just coming, buying your groceries, buying that, you know, pair of sandals your kid needs because they grew like two inches or whatever. You know, it's um, it's an experience. So now like they're partnering with makeup companies and they have that aspect added to it. But we really have to be thinking and putting just as much energy to what happens after the sale as we are before the sale. And I think most business owners, it's like 90 percent marketing, 10 percent customer experience. And we really, really, if we're going to be viable beyond this AI world and everything that's happening, we need to start putting just as much emphasis on customer experience as we are in the marketing. 
Oh, that's, that's so good. You know, it, that just reminded me about, uh, you know, Target was actually one of the first brands to adopt the special needs carts for older yes. people. So, because my son's autistic. And so to, to go shopping, he's better now, but to go shopping originally, it was really difficult. And if you didn't have that cart, we literally just couldn't go. And so yeah. when we learned that Target actually identified that situation, the special needs community and said, Hey, here's the cart that you guys want, which sounds obvious and all businesses should do it, but most don't. Because they're right. not going to care about it until there's some kind of like financial need or a lawsuit or something yeah. happens and then they'll react to it rather than just getting involved with their community, acknowledging that some people shop places specifically because of a shopping cart. And yeah, their exactly. And the reality is, is most businesses are thinking about their short term bottom line. But here's what Target does. Now, yes, they probably have a big heart and they wanted to serve the community of parents who have kids with special needs, right? But at the same time, they know that that is a very strong and loyal and vocal community. And so when one mom walks into that store and for the first time ever, she can shop, not wondering if her kid is going to be, you know, unsafe in that store, that is something she's going to tell people about, right? That's an experience that is you know, remarkable, if you will. So now she's going to share with people and that's a very loyal and strong community. And so now you have, you have um, one community that is now connected to a brand because they'd made one decision to serve that community better. No, it's fantastic. Well, and one of the lessons I learned in uh, college, we actually had this big conference about business ethics. And the big point of the conference was that being ethical in business is good business. It's not a sacrifice you're making to your profitability. It's just good business. It's good marketing. And if you could do that, then you're doing good and you're making money and everybody wins. So it's not a, a sacrifice or some kind of charity project you're doing, which is what I think most businesses look at. They're like, oh, well, I'll just take care of this because I want to look good. It's like, no, well, you could do that and you will look good. But you're also, you know, people will appreciate it. They recognize it. And like we keep on going back to, they'll stay a customer for longer and longer. Now, yeah. with all that said, uh, they have millions of dollars available to do whatever the heck they want. Most small businesses don't have that kind of availability. Uh, what can a small business do to kind of implement some of these bigger business community tactics into their marketing function? Yeah, the first thing that I would say is you have to get really clear on the purpose of your business and community. And we talk about avatars and who are you serving a lot. And I think most people spend about five minutes on a worksheet and a course that they took and that's how they determined who they're going to serve. We really, really, really need to get more deep on that purpose, really clear on the purpose and the progress that we want to help them experience because that drives everything. And then when we can create a culture, I think most of us just let culture happen to us. And then we wonder why we don't really like our brand or don't really want to hang out in our Facebook group. And it's because our community defined it for us. So if we can take time to really define those beliefs, the behaviors and the boundaries that we want to create, that's going to help us go, oh, that's something I want to nurture and lean into and do more of. This is something maybe I want to do less of or make sure isn't happening inside of our community. But from a basic perspective, most business owners, the place they need to start is by opening up that door of communication with their community. We're talking at people all the time. It's a one-to-many audience. And even if you don't have a, a Facebook group or you don't have a community on any other platform, you can leverage wherever you're talking to your people and just start asking them questions about their experience, what they need, what are their challenges right now, 
and then start generating conversations around that. Uh, uh, one person was telling me, I don't really think that you can create a community without a Facebook group. So how are you the community expert? You don't have a Facebook group. I was like, are you kidding me? Like what we've been, we've had communities for thousands of years without Facebook groups. Like (laughs) what makes you think a Facebook group is the way to go? So don't limit yourself, especially if you're a brick and mortar business. My dear friend, Sarah Williams created an incredible community around her brick and mortar business. And now she's turned that into $3 million online businesses, right? Because she had a really strong community. She turned shopping at her store into an experience because when you bought something for someone else, right? Like you can ring a bell, you can come and you can have mimosas in the store or there's an event on Saturday. Instead of just like, we're open on Saturday, it's like from 12 to four, it's the uh, you know moms and daughters shopping hour. So always be thinking about how you really can create that experience and start by asking your customers, your community, start by asking and having conversations with them and they'll tell you exactly what they want. That's awesome. Well, we have talked about a lot of different aspects of community. And I think if the listeners, if you never really thought about community as a marketing function, uh, they'll probably be a little bit overwhelmed because we've talked about online communities, offline communities, kind of the history of community development, the history of the internet and forums and a million different aspects. And now we have the future coming up, which is AI generated content. Uh, We have the potential for VR to kind of become a major player. And I'm writing an article about that, which is why I mentioned it. <laughs> and you just had yeah. the release of, uh, you know, the Apple Vision Pro, you know, there's these developments happening and things are going to change. And I think what's going to happen is that the community aspect is going to become a huge factor moving forward. So uh, we won't cover all those topics right now, <laughs> but yeah. if, do you have an outline for kind of uh, the functions of community that uh, brands should have so that we could cover them on upcoming episodes? Yeah. And there's really four things that you need to create a thriving community. You need that common cause. You need a strong culture. You need great communication to your audience, from your audience, within your audience. And then you need that um, connection piece. But what you can really look at is how can I use my community to increase conversions? How can I use my community to keep my customers longer because I'm serving them well and creating a great experience, getting more connection with them? And how can I use my community to spread the word and become really incredible affiliates. And I think that when I look at what's happening with AI and everything, in fact, the first time I ever spoke about community was in 2008, talking about communities in Second Life and how to market Ah, in Second Second Life, Life. which is virtual reality (laughs) world. Um, When a business owner thinks about community this way, I believe it actually empowers them and it gives them a sigh of relief because they go, oh, I know how to do this. This is just human to human connection. I get that, right? I don't get like the Facebook group and the Facebook page and how to connect all those things and how many posts a day I'm supposed to do, but I know how to show up authentically as me and I know how to connect with people and I know how to listen to them genuinely and create something that they care about. And that's really all we're asking people to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, because I, I think usually when I ask that question is you get a list of tasks and tools and really what you described was principles of the methodology, which is uh, evergreen. You know, no yeah. matter what happens, like these things that you're talking about are still going to be relevant and they'll just develop and evolve with the technology and the tools and the the trends of society. But at the end of the day, it's still 
humans talking to humans, humans connecting, humans listening, and humans developing products and services based on what people actually want rather than trying to dictate uh, what they want based on how much money I want to make. Exactly. Yeah. And I have a list of like over 77 different connection ideas on my website. You can get that. I have a list of ways to use video. All the tactics and tools are on there. You can get them for free on the site. But if you don't have these foundational principles in place, like you can throw all the spaghetti against the wall that you want, but none of it's actually going to stick. No. Well, and even if it does stick, it'll eventually fall off. And then who cares? So I love all that. Uh, I definitely want to have you back on the show to talk about all these, you know, different topics in detail. Uh, In the meantime, uh, where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, you can listen to my podcast, Community Creators with Shanna Lynn, or just pop over to my website, shannalynn.com, and you can find out about everything I do there. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Shanna. Really appreciate your time and what you're doing. And uh, honestly, like just this one conversation and, and I know it just seemed like, oh, uh, you know, engaging host. I'm really interested in what you're talking <laughs> about. And the more you kind of describe things, the more I see the connection with content and all of marketing and how the community aspect is going to become, you know, maybe the main player in the near future in terms of your ability to maintain your business, scale your business, and maybe just stay in business. And if you don't do these things you're talking about, there's a good chance that a lot of businesses will go away unless they start to get uh, with the game. So thank you so much for your uh, input and really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for having me. This is fun. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketing.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.